the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on a beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with Johnny Abair and Alicia Quibido. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Are you with us on this Wednesday, Johnny? Yes. Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a little sad this morning. Uh-oh. At the Christmas Why? is over and yeah. uh, put up all the Christmas mm-hmm. stuff right. yesterday, but my Christmas tree is refusing to go into the attic. No, he's hanging on. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, oh, we got all our Mardi Gras decorations out, so that made me happy. Mm-hmm. So oh, continue yeah. the the celebration. <laughs> there you go. You definitely made the transition. (laughs) Well, you know, this morning we're going to hear the the gospel. Jesus is on the move. So let's get our day started in prayer. As we remember, uh, Blessed William Carter is our saint of the day. So let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty and merciful God, in your goodness keep us, we pray, from all forces that attempt to do evil in our lives that being ready both in mind and in body, we may accomplish with a free heart those things which belong to your purpose and which bring glory to your name. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed William Carter, pray pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're looking forward to a great show today, starting off with Johnny's Gospel Reflection. That'll be in about six minutes. Stay with us for that. In 18 minutes, Shane Kapler joins us. He is the author of his book called Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration. We talked to him a few weeks ago about his book, but today he's going to be diving deeper into the devotion to the Immaculate Heart. So rosaries, scapulars, first Saturdays, all of these wonderful things that we do to honor Our Lady, he's going to be talking about that. In 35 minutes, Dr. Tom Neal joins us. He is a professor of spiritual theology at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans, and we're going to reflect back on the baptism of the Lord, which was on Monday, and its place this liturgical year. So another wonderful interview with Dr. Tom Neal. So it's going to be a very informative show today. And in 48 minutes, we're going to be listening to some music with Burke and Graffia. He is a singer and songwriter, and he's going to be talking about the Catholic Song Contest winners. Always looking forward to this interview with Burke. It's very fun, and we get to listen to some music as well. So it's going to be a great show today, great interview, and Alicia looking forward to some great weather today. What do we have? Well, you know, it's warmer. I don't know, January. It's January in Louisiana along the Gulf Coast. So today will be warmer in the high temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. And that will be under partly to mostly cloudy skies as we know that 
rain is coming in tomorrow. There is patchy fog in all of our listening area or the majority of our listening area this morning until about 9 a.m. So uh, use caution as you drive into work or school this morning. The temperatures in the area, the cool spot uh, is Biloxi at 62 degrees, Ponchatoula is 64 degrees, New Orleans 66, and the hot spot right here in the capital city, uh, 68 degrees in Baton Rouge already. So I think it's going to be a warm uh, January day today. So, uh, but enjoy it before a little bit of rain comes in. And I think we're getting a little cool front. So, uh, so we have that to look forward to. Another thing we have to look forward forward to this morning is the gospel and Johnny's gospel reflections. Always wonderful to hear Johnny's thoughts on the gospel. So stick around. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Good Wednesday to you, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's Gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 1. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Thank you, Father. Chris Decker. Well, guys, if only today everyone would be, was looking for Jesus, huh? (laughs) But maybe they are, but they just don't know it. I think that's the case, right? So, so, so I was, uh, Jan and I, we went to uh, bed last night thinking, well, we had a really busy day. You know, we had all this stuff happening yesterday, some work being done at the house, had Medicare issues to take care of, uh, putting away the Christmas stuff, like I mentioned, you know. And uh, then uh, I read the gospel this morning, Mark's gospel, and I said, uh, wow, Jesus would have done all this before breakfast, right. I think. <laughs> 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 but, you know, Mark's gospel is a whirlwind. I mean, it, re- it kind of reminds me of that old detective show, Dragnet, where, where Sergeant Joe Friday says, just nothing but the facts, ma'am. Because it does move along, you know. And theologians have remarked, uh, in fact, with respect to Mark's gospel, how it has three main themes. It has this immediacy kind of theme, and then it has this secrecy aspect to it, and then finally, sonship. So I want to touch on those real quick and then talk about our lives in relation to that. So you take that immediacy one uh, theme. You know, Mark uses that word immediately like 40 times in the gospel. It just kind of gives you the sense of urgency, you know, a, a real vivid and dynamic Jesus. And Mark's focusing on his mighty works as he does here today. And so, so it moves along like, okay, here's the facts. This is the truth. This is real. And it's time to get on board, kind of what you get from that. 
So, for example, today, you know, immediately uh, the apostles tell Jesus about Peter's mother-in-law, and he heals her. He drives out demons. He finds time to pray to be with his heavenly Father, and does all this, and uh, and then tries to pray, and they don't have give him any rest because mm-hmm. they come to him and say, "Hey, everybody's looking for you," and his response is, he gets up, goes, and he's and he continues his mission, and he's saying, "You know, this is the purpose for which I came." But that brings in the secrecy thing, that second thing, because Jesus is uh, attempts to conceal his true identity, knowing that revealing too much too soon, I mean, lives are at stake, souls are at stake. It should result in uh, impairing his mission. So he uses the powers to tell the demons even to shut up and be quiet about it. Uh, he tells the deaf man to uh, not reveal, for example, after he heals him, who he is. And he also tells that uh, to the leper. So we see that theme running throughout here as well. And finally, that all leads up to the sonship, where the secret gets out and the fact that Jesus is the Son of God is revealed. Demons said it first. God the Father says it publicly. And, and we see that in the, in the transfiguration. And then even the Roman centurion at the end of the gospel admits it. But the one line that really does jump out is this one, when Jesus says, for this purpose have I come. And that brings it, to, uh, brings it back to us. I saw this post yesterday and, uh, on social media, and it just asked this question, uh, people to comment on this, and it said, what is the most important question? That's it, you know, what's the most important question? Just post what you think it is. So thinking about that, and we know why Jesus came, so Jesus may well ask, for what purpose have you come? Why are you here? What's your purpose? And, uh, and maybe you're thinking, wow, to make it to heaven. Hopefully, you know, that's what we maybe would ask. But a better question, maybe. We hear this question coming from the rich young man. He put this question to Jesus this way. What must I do to gain eternal life? Great question. Mm-hmm. Or how about what the, the one the crowds asked Peter and the apostles after Pentecost? What must we do to be saved? Great question. <laughs> but here's the follow-up to that, you know, depending on the answer. And it's a bit more challenging. Once we say that, to make it to heaven, uh, okay, to be baptized and, and to live the life, then the one I have to ask myself, then why aren't you busy living it? <laughs> Do, does my per- priorities reflect the purpose for which I was created? Now, that's tougher yeah, questions, right. you know. So I couldn't help thinking, you know, it's, it's New Year's uh, resolution time. Maybe we still <laughs> haven't made those things. And maybe the idea here is to take this whole theme, these themes of Mark into our lives, the immediacy uh, and, and the ability to outsmart the evil one, for example, and to proclaim the Son of God in our lives. And, we, and doing that with a, that, that sense of urgency, but yet being prudent, being humble, using those virtues and those gifts of the Holy Spirit to outsmart the evil one, um, and to remember to have respect not only for the brothers and sisters in, in the world, but also for ourselves, you know, with respect to our integrity, our, our uh, respect for, for who we are. And then, you know, go to work. And mm-hmm. if it's a long day, you know, and you lay down with tired bones, you have the satisfaction not 
of something we've done or our accomplishments, but that we've done all we can for the glory mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God. So I think that's it. You know, thinking about the gospel day, make every second count today, mm-hmm. every interaction filled with love and to make our choices reflect our destination. Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's time to get going, right guys? That's right. That's right. Yes. You know, it, it's so interesting though, it, that you know, we talk about, particularly in this gospel, but in so many about how how Jesus is so busy, constantly going, and 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 we find ourselves busier every day, right? But to really take that time uh, to do things intentionally—that's a great reminder today, Johnny. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. And one way to do that is the consecration of our hearts, our minds, our bodies. And we're going to talk about that. Shane Coupler is joining us next to talk about Marian consecration and devotion to her Immaculate Heart because she is the prism for the light. She leads us to her son. It's quarter now past the hour. We'll be right back. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 11th. Today we celebrate Blessed William Carter, Born in London, William entered the printing business and served as an apprentice to well-known Catholic printers, one of whom served a prison sentence for persisting in the Catholic faith. William himself served time in prison for printing so-called lewd pamphlets. In fact, they were books that upheld the Catholic faith. William went on to offend officials by publishing works aimed at keeping Catholics firm in their faith. When they went to his home, They found various vestments and books that gave them the justification they sought to keep him in prison and torture him. Eventually, William was charged with printing and publishing the Treatise of Schism, a document that allegedly incited violence against Queen Elizabeth I. Only later was it found that the book was in fact written by a traitor and addressed to traitors. It took the jury only 15 minutes to reach a guilty verdict against William Carter, he made his final confession to a priest who was being tried alongside him and was martyred the following day, January the 11th, 1584. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. the hour on this beautiful warm Wednesday. Good to be with you this morning on Wake Up. If you'd like uh, someone from the station to come talk to your group, maybe at your parish, and talk about the history or talk about uh, what's going on in the world, in the area, we'd be glad to do that. Well, uh, we're really pleased this morning as we're talking about uh, consecrating our lives to the Lord and having a sense of urgency with that. Uh, Shane Kapler joins us this morning. He is the author of a book, Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, and having to do with the devotion to the Immaculate Heart. Good morning, Jay. Good to be with you. Good morning, Johnny. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. You bet. Okay, so even the title, is, uh, as Shane, as you probably know, we have, we have even a lot of non-Catholics listening this morning, but even some Catholics would ask this question, who would say, uh, where in the Bible is there anything to do with consecrating oneself to Mary? Because that sounds non-biblical. What say ye, Shane? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that um, when we talk about consecration to Mary, 
we're speaking by way of analogy, by accommodation. We're consecrating ourselves to God. When we say we consecrate ourselves to Mary, we mean that our consecration to God, in a special way, we are entrusting ourselves to Mary's maternal care and her intercession for us, that Jesus will pour out the graces so that we can be as consecrated to him as she was, that he can take flesh in our lives and be born in our words and actions and prayer. So as far as where can you find that in Scripture? St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about marriage as husbands and wives. Because of their union with one another, the spouse being consecrated to the Lord. And, and he's saying that even about Christians married to non-Christians, that, that the Lord uses them as instruments to save the other spouse, to bring them into a saving relationship with him. Well, if that's true mm-hmm. of a Christian and a non-Christian, think about what Paul says in Ephesians 5, that a husband and wife, their love for one another, manifests the love of Christ for the church. And so each member within the body of the church because we're united with Jesus, we're united with one another. That's Paul's teaching on the body of Christ. And the Lord uses us as instruments to lead us to the fullness of consecrated life in heaven. And he does that through Mary in a very special way. We can see that with John, when Jesus entrusts John to Mary at the foot of the cross in John 19, and then how that bore fruit in his life as an apostle. So there's a biblical foundation for Mary in consecration. Yeah, I want to ask you this, too. I think I saw something in uh, <clears throat> this about the book, this even in the Old Testament, going all the way back to the book of Genesis. Is that right? Sure, yes. Um, the roots of this, this devotion, because at the very beginning in Genesis 3, after the fall of man, we have that first prophecy of a Savior, the, the seed of the woman. And God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and you will strike at his heel, but he will crush your head. So from the very beginning, Jesus and his mother are set up in direct opposition to Satan. And this woman, as well as the seed, the seed who wins the victory, but the woman shares in that victory. And so our eyes are drawn to Mary as our mother in the life of faith from the very beginning. Oh, that's amazing. We're talking with Shane Kapler, and the book is Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration. Um, I wanted to ask you this, too. Uh, you know, you touched on this some, but there may be some people listening saying, okay, I'm still trying, or they're still trying to get over 1 Timothy 2.5, where we read that Jesus is the sole mediator between God and man. And you mentioned the word uh, intercession. And then, of course, you talked about husband and wife. Talk a little bit more about that, uh, how, how this is not, uh, this ties in well, this is not inconsistent with that, biblically. Yeah, no, and usually when people quote First Timothy 2, 5, they, they ignore the larger context, because Paul, he starts out by saying, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and for, um, 
Therefore, in verse 8, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So because Jesus is our mediator, we can pray and intercede through our mediator. And this is what we're saying with Mary or any of the saints. They are not some alternative means, some way to go around Jesus, but they are our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. As Paul says in Romans 12, you are members of one another. And so together we go through Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus, Hmm. to the Father. Whether you're lowly Shane Kapler or whether you're the Virgin Mary in heaven. And uh, so that that's why, again, there's a great misunderstanding of people think that us asking for saints to intercede for us is unbiblical. Oh, Even right, if we look right, in right. the book of Revelation, chapter 4, we see the saints holding, the saints in heaven holding the prayers of those on earth in golden bowls and emptying them out before God. So God has appointed our brothers and sisters in heaven to be our intercessors. We are just cooperating with his plan of salvation when we enter into this. That's beautiful. Good stuff. So, so let's get into the mechanics of this or, the, or the, uh, these elements of devotion. You mentioned things like the mm-hmm. rosary, the scapular, first Saturday. So uh, give us a, a, an idea of, of some uh, ways in, uh, for, praying, for, for consecrating ourselves. Sure. Um, as we said, we are wanting to share Mary's complete consecration to Jesus, too. When we say devoted to her immaculate heart, we want to take on her heart with Jesus. And it's fascinating. When we look in the Gospels, the Gospels mention the hearts of only three people, three individuals, Jesus, the Blessed Mother, and Judas. <laughs> and it, it strikes me that in the end, we, in relation to Jesus' heart, will have the heart of one or the other, either Mary, who surrenders everything to him, or Judas, who tries to find some kind of security apart from Jesus and loses it Interesting. all. So to take on Mary's interior life, we want to share her sustenance in the Eucharist. We want to participate in her times of prayer with Jesus in the rosary and be clothed in the garment that she makes us, just as she made garments for Jesus. We want to wear that brown scapular. And Just as Mary and Jesus always shared the Saturday Sabbath together, we honor the first Saturday of the month as a way of letting Jesus love and honor his mother through us. And we even participate in the difficulties that Mary had in her life, her work that God gave her of participating in the plan of salvation. When we accept the difficulties in our life and and just proceed through in faith that the Lord loves us, and he's going to bring us through this. That's how we take on oh. Mary's life with Jesus. Yeah, Shane, I guess from a personal standpoint, what graces um, have you, for example, or other stories that you've heard what, uh, through doing this devotion to her Immaculate Heart uh, can we receive and have received? Oh, gosh. Well, okay, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and something as I was, was researching for this book, I did not realize how intense a role the Blessed Mother had in Mother Teresa's life, um, and how in that vision where Jesus called her 
to this new kind of ministry to the poor. What a role Mary played in those visions. Mother Teresa, we always see her in pictures holding a rosary, and she would say that this is me holding the hand of the Blessed Mother. Everywhere I go, she is with me, and she is supporting me in my relationship with Jesus. Mother Teresa, as we know, after her death, it was revealed she struggled with just great darkness. I mean, even though her face, the joy of Christ, shone through her, inside of her, she wasn't experiencing those feelings of joy. But by uniting herself with the Blessed Mother, and like the Blessed Mother, throughout the rest of her life after Jesus' ascension, she's focused on the Eucharist, and she's receiving Jesus into herself, so that whether she feels it or not, the Mm -hmm. Lord is pouring himself into her and working through her. And we see those tremendous fruits in her life, the joy that she brought to other people, the tower, the tireless hours of service. I mean, those are tremendous fruits. Or Padre yes. Pio, the way that he would pray the rosary, he revealed 60 times a day. <laughs> um, he would wow. only reveal that to, to the closest people to him. But think about all of his, the mystical phenomena, the deep contemplative prayer that surrounded that man. What's the rosary that disposed him to that deep prayer, to to that life of intense union with the Lord? Great, great examples. Well, Shane, let us know where, it's a tan book, right? Where can we get a copy of the book and find out more about the uh, biblical roots of Marian consecration? Sure, they can go, uh, people can go to tanbooks.com or my website is explainingchristianity.com and there are links to Amazon and different places people could pick it up. Shane, we thank you so much for sharing this. This is beautiful stuff. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Well, Dr. Tom Neal, professor of spiritual theology, Notre Dame, is joining us next to talk about the baptism of the Lord. It is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Bear. Before the break, we talked to Shane Kepler about his book, Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration. If you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter account, that's on Twitter at LA Catholic Media, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Catholic Community Media, you'll see that the first post is a link to Tan Books. And if you click on that link and purchase purchase Shane's book, then Catholic Community Media will receive a portion of your purchase. So you're donating while you're also getting that book for yourself or for a friend. So make sure you click on that link you can find under the Facebook Live video on our Facebook page or that first tweet you see on Twitter. Dr. Tom Neal joins us now. He's a professor of spiritual theology at Notre Dame Seminary. And today we are going to reflect back on the baptism of the Lord, which was celebrated on Monday and its place this liturgical year. Good morning, Dr. Neal. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. Thank you so much for having me. Always great to be with you all. It's so good to have you with us. We always look forward to your insights today, especially as we reflect back on the baptism of the Lord. So what do you have for us today? Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Yeah, so, so I wanted to reflect on baptism of the Lord, which was celebrated this year on Monday. Oftentimes it's celebrated on the Sunday after Epiphany, but because of some liturgical uh, 
irregularities this year, it was celebrated on Monday. So I wanted to mention it because it's really a beautiful and important feast day of the Church's mm-hmm. year. Uh, and it really, Baptism of the Lord is the end of Christmas season, or Christmas tide, as it's called, right after Epiphany. And it begins what we uh, call in English ordinary time, which is not a pleasant, <laughs> not necessarily a pleasant uh, way of describing it. Ordinary time really comes from the word where we, where we the word ordinal or ordinos, which means counting. And all ordinary time means is is just the days of counting after a definitive major feast, like Christmas Epiphany. So, the days of ordinary time after Epiphany are called the you know first the first Sunday after Epiphany, the second Sunday after Epiphany, the third. Those are the counting, and those go all the way to Lent. And then Lent begins a whole new season, and then into Easter, and then after Pentecost, we begin ordinary time of the days counting after Pentecost, all the way up till Advent. So that's what ordinary time is: is counting the Sundays after these big events in, in salvation history. Um, so so I want to mention that baptism, the Lord celebrates Jesus' own baptism in the Jordan River, so I want to say a few things about that, just because it profoundly helps us think about our own uh, mission, our own baptism. Mm-hmm. So the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River uh, in, in, is in all four Gospels, which is one of the few things that's in all four Gospels described. And it's really the event in Jesus' life that launches his public mission. Um, when, he, when he goes to the Jordan River and John the Baptist is there baptizing people with the baptism of repentance, uh, and Jesus approaches him. And, and so we think about it launching Jesus' mission. So what's Jesus' mission? Well, it's a big question. But there's a beautiful Hebrew phrase, Gabby, that I love to use that I learned a number of years ago from an Orthodox Jew, which is tikkun olam, which in... Hebrew means the repairing of the world, and this Orthodox Jew said that they believe that when Messiah comes, obviously they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, but when he comes, he will repair the world. It's a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is exactly what Jesus does. So at his baptism, he begins his mission of repairing the world, and his mission is our mission. Um, and what's amazing is Jesus, of course, is sinless. He is the sinless, spotless lamb, um, and he comes to John the Baptist, who's baptizing people to repent from their sins, and Jesus has nothing to repent for, and John knows this. So John objects, and Jesus says, no, this has to happen. Uh, In other words, that Jesus has come to repair the ruins, and he's willing to enter into them. In other words, he's willing to identify himself with our sins in order to heal them from the inside out, to take on their effects. As a matter of fact, next Sunday we'll hear John the Baptist call Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, meaning he carries them away, which is a beautiful scapegoat image, which is an image from the Old Testament when the high priest would lay all the sins of Israel on the scapegoat and send it out into the desert to carry those sins away. And so Jesus becomes that at the Jordan River as he enters down into the murky, muddy water. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to use one image uh, from the baptism and then just apply it to to our own mission uh, as Catholics who are baptized in Christ. And that's when Jesus goes down into the water. So he goes down into the water, the murky, muddy, disgusting water of the Jordan River, which is not a beautiful, clean, crystal clear water. It's murky and muddy, and he goes down into it. Um, In Mark's Gospel, it says when he goes down under the water and comes up, Mark says the heavens were... Schizo were ripped open, were torn open, and that the Holy the Spirit descended like a dove in the form of a dove. It's a beautiful image. 
so, so Jesus, by entering into the waters of sin, which has sealed heaven up, in other words, has cut us off from heaven, from God, Jesus has come to split them open by entering into the waters, and so he does. And the dove comes, and what's the dove? Well, the dove refers back to the story of Noah. Remember the story of Noah, the flood? Mm-hmm. Another yes. watery event. So, so he sends out, first he sends out a raven. The raven comes, flies around, comes back. Then he sends out a dove. The dove flies around, comes back. Then he sends another dove, and the second dove comes back with an olive twig in his, in his beak. Mm-hmm. which is a sign that there's dry land that's appearing. In other words, the flood is over and peace is being restored between God and humanity. And then he sends the third dove out, and what, is, what does the third dove do? The third dove never comes back, which is really a good mm-hmm. sign, which means it found land. And this, is, this means that the flood is over, the punishment is over, and God has restored faithfully his covenant with his people. And there's a beautiful Jewish tradition that said when Messiah comes, the dove will return. The dove that never came back will return. And so this moment, Jesus, the dove, the third dove that never returned, comes down from heaven and says, the Messiah is here and he has made come to repair the world, to repair the relationship between God and man, uh, and man and, and man and man. So, so kind of bring peace to the world. And so the, the, the crescendo moment, this is where I'll end, is what Jesus then hears spoken from heaven. He hears a voice thunder from heaven. What does it say? It's the Father's voice saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. And then from that moment on, Jesus' mission begins. He first goes out into the desert to combat Satan directly, and then he goes out into the world to liberate us from Satan's dominion. Uh, and, and so this is the crescendo moment for all of us. Why? Because our mission is Jesus' mission is to go out into the world and bring the repair that he came to bring. But it's first of all grounded in our relationship to the Father, that we are loved, infinitely loved with him, uh, and that he has forgiven us, that he has, has freed us from sin, which has alienated us from him. And so our life is grounded now in that relationship, and our mission flows from that relationship to the Father which today's gospel Jesus shows us how to live out by prayer. So, so grounding our lives in the mission of Jesus by having a profound relationship with the Father that he opens up to us uh, and, and continuing to keep that alive in our life of prayer. This is really what the baptism of the Lord um, reveals to us that we get to share in this mission. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you so much for those insights as well. And, you know, we are... <laughs> Nearing the beginning of the Lenten season, so many people uh, are going through RCIA right now. And I think this is a good passage or a good feast to reflect on as they await that day where they receive the sacraments and enter into the church. Do you have any resources real quick, uh, Father, I mean, Dr. Tom Neal, to uh, maybe reflect on the baptism of the Lord and our own baptism? We have about 45 seconds left. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll say this: if you go if you go online and type in Vatican.va, which is the Vatican website, and put mm-hmm. in "Baptism of the Lord" homilies, and you can get the collection of all the homilies of Pope Francis, of Pope Benedict, of Pope John Paul II on that feast. They are rich. As a matter of fact, Pope Francis's comments on the feast of the baptism the other day, when he baptized thirteen babies that day, which was a tradition John Paul II wow. began, which was baptizing babies on the feast. He reflects on the, the gift of baptism and w- what it brings to us. And, and I, so I think those homilies, if you read those, would be a rich resource just to reflect on the profound depth. And RCIA, you said, you said is, is a perfect connection. 
Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being one of those babies? Oh, lucky. Dr. No, Tom Neal, no. <laughs> Professor so of Spiritual Theology at Notre Dame Seminary. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Kathy. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bergen Graffia joins Alicia when we come back from the break. It's 45 past the hour on Wake Up. Good morning. It is 12 minutes before the hour on Wake Up. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alicia Quibido with Gabby Smith and Johnny Bear. We're joined this morning by singer-songwriter Burke Ingrafio. Welcome back to Wake Up, Burke. Thank you. Nice to be here. We're so happy to have you with us. We want to hear all about, before we get into the winners of the Catholic Song Contest, I'd love for you to let our listeners who, who are not familiar with the contest know about it. Well, a few years ago, uh, I realized that there isn't much of a Catholic music industry in our mainstream culture. Uh, there's there, a, there are a lot of Christian music outlets, uh, a huge billion-dollar Christian music industry, but none of the songs are really about Mary or the saints or the sacraments. And mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to try to find a way to build a community and bring people together and have songwriters bring their best foot forward and um, and present their songs uh, for a contest and, and to see who was out there and who was creating some great Catholic songs out there. That's great. Now, was is this the third year of the contest, or how many years have you had this? This is the second year. Second year. Second year. Okay, great. And there's several. Uh, there's several prize categories within the Catholic Song Contest. So the contest started. I guess you could start submitting in the beginning of August, and you just recently yes. announced the winners. So tell us about yes, some there of. Are... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, there are uh, different reasons for different songs. Um, some songs are meant for liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some songs are meant, uh, are really not appropriate for liturgy, but they're wonderful songs, more like a, a popular song, Christian popular song. And then there are some songs that are for a wider audience, a uh, wider secular audience that but songwriters may have written um, uh, that are the songs are informed by their faith, mm-hmm. and so we have different categories: best po- best Christian popular song, best secular popular song, and best liturgical song or hymn. And then there are some subcategories too, like best song about Mary, best song about saints, best song about sacraments, um, best song, best pro life song. So um, we're trying to uh, trying to have people submit their their best songs on any of those topics. But um, and not topics, maybe the wrong word, but theme is probably right. a better word. Right. Um, having people submit their songs based on which category it would be for. Would it be a liturgical song, a secular popular song, or a Christian popular song? Now, Burke, did you see between the first year of your contest and this year, did you see an increase in people who have entered the contest? Well, the, the rules were a little different. It was about the same amount of entrance, okay. uh, but... In the second year, um, what we did is we we only allowed people to submit three songs. Um, the first year, uh, people submitted a lot more than that. Uh, okay. They were allowed to submit as many as they wanted. And we felt like people 
were kind of uh, wasting their money on the entrance fees by not submitting just their best songs. Okay. So, and we're not re- we're not really out to make a whole lot of money. We just want people to put their best songs forward. Right. Now, do you think, Burke, that this has encouraged um, some singer-songwriters to really focus on uh, on pieces that are uh, Catholic? Well, I don't know. I don't know how well we got the word out. Uh, Thanks to you, thanks to your radio station and some other stations and uh, some other outlets, we've gotten the word out. But I I hope that in coming years uh, we can find some more partners, marketing partners, to to really help us get the word out. So if anybody in your listening audience is out there and they really want to help promote Catholic songwriting out there in the world, uh, please please get in touch with us. We'd love to uh, talk with you about getting the word out some more. But I do think that um, people who have already written Catholic songs are uh, we're encouraged that there's a community being built and little seeds of a um, of a future industry there. Okay, okay, wonderful. Well, I want to talk specifically about one of your uh, winners, the best Christian popular song and best song about Mary by Mary Broussard from Scott, Louisiana. Yeah, well, this was a this song was a great surprise that came in. Um, the um, Mary Broussard from Scott, Louisiana, as you as you mentioned, she just the the melody is really strong. The the word choice is is really lovely, and and just the the overall feeling of the song is uh, is great. I mean, it is beautiful. We're gonna play a little piece of it. Are, okay, go for it. Beautiful, Lovely Lady in Blue by Mary Broussard from Scott, Louisiana. It won the best Christian popular song and best song about Mary in the recent Catholic Song Contest. I can't tell you how many times I've already listened to it, Burke. <laughs> yeah, that song, um, I, I, it's, it's one of those songs that I just keep singing in my head now yes. that I've listened to it uh, many times. It just keeps coming back to me. It's so beautiful. Uh, she did such a lovely job, just her and the guitar. Yes. on that recording um, and just uh, her voice and, and just the the word choice, but especially the melody. I think melody is so important in popular song. Um, yes. it's, what, um, it's what people really remember and remember how to sing along to. I love it. And, and I read on uh, Mary Broussard um, posted about winning and how, how thrilled she was to win the contest. And she talks about that she wrote this song, Lovely Lady in Blue, when she was trying to grow closer to Jesus through the intercession of Mary. And she said the last two years it, that, that she has seen this immense help that she's had from Our Lady uh, and from Jesus. She also had another song who won honorable mention uh, called Like a Nail. So, and there's so many other other winners. Burke, where can our listeners go to find a list of all of the winners? And you can also listen to the songs uh, and find out more about the Catholic Song Contest. 
If you just go to catholicsongcontest.com, just as it sounds, and you, uh, there's a link on the very uh, front homepage where you can, um, you'll see there's a big button that says go to the announcement, and then from that link you'll go to a page where you can just play the different songs that want. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Burke. We can also find out more about you. Can you tell our listeners your website? Um, my personal website is burkingraphia.com. Uh, I could spell that for you if you'd like. It's not really radio-friendly uh, <laughs> words there, but it's B-U-R-K-E-I-N-G-R-A-F-F-I-A.com. And, uh, yeah, but this, this contest isn't about me. It's about this community that uh, we're trying to build. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Singer-songwriter Burke and Graffia, catholicsongcontest.com. Thanks so much for joining us on Wake Up Again, Burke. Thank you very much. All right. Wow. Wonderful. Make sure you check that out and you can hear the whole song, Lovely Lady in Blue. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Johnny, if you don't mind closing us out in prayer today, I can't believe we're at the end of our show. It's full of information and jam-packed. Yeah, we really stretch the mind, the heart, the talents this morning. It's a, it's a great way to start the morning off. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we turn to you and to you alone as the source of all truth and the fullness of truth. May we listen to your voice alone and reject the many deceptions of the evil one and his demons. In your precious name, Jesus, we rebuke Satan and all evil spirits, their lies, their half-truths, their temptations. We send these spirits to the foot of your cross, dear Lord, and open our minds and our hearts only to you. Jesus, we trust in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Lonnie Thibodeau with the Bayou Catholic Magazine joins us. David Dawson Jr. and so much more. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.